Jesus said in John 14:30, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. Now let me see what it says in the New Living Translation. There was a fellow on TV, they were... He's a Bible expert, and the guy that was interviewing him was just trying to nail him down to see which version was the best. And the whole long and short of this whole interview was the expert of the Bibles said, the one you read is the best version. <laughs> I thought that was wisdom. And then the guy wouldn't stop. He said, well, which version do you read? <laughs> so he said, I read out of the Amplified. And I love the Amplified. I love the NIV. I just love all of them. In the New Living it says, I don't have much time to talk with you because the ruler of this world approaches and he has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. This phrase, the enemy has nothing in me, began to just swirl around in my head. And as I began to think about what it meant, I began to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want anything in me either. I went to the commentaries and I looked and here's what the Barnes commentary said on John 14:30. This is the way they interpreted that Jesus was meaning. There is in me no principle or feeling that accords with his, nothing, therefore, by which the enemy can prevail. Temptation has only power because there are some principles in us which accord with the designs of the tempter. And then in the Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary, they said, Nothing of his own, and talking about the, the devil, nothing of his own is in me. Nothing of sin on which to fasten as a righteous cause of condemnation. As the prince of this world, he welds his scepter over willing subjects. But in me, he shall find no sympathy with his objects and no acknowledgement of his sovereignty, no subjection to his is the man. And then in the Geneva notes it said, As one would say, Satan will eventually set upon me with all the might he can, but he has no power over me, neither will he find any such thing in me as he thinks he will. Isn't that interesting? So what am I speaking of? What is in us that the enemy would have that he could take us where we don't want to go? If you could visualize what it would be, it would be like a hook sticking on the outside of us. And that would be the thing that is within. 
And as we're going along, we're wanting to go in this particular direction. And all of a sudden, because of this hook, the enemy latches on and drags us in a direction we don't want to go. You understand? So we're going to look at some things of what those hooks could be and how they got there. Now, if you really listen to this message, it'll set you free. If you'll cry with me to the Lord, I want nothing in me where the enemy can make me go that I don't want to go. When you were born on planet Earth, the day you came on the scene, you were born in war. Warfare is just the way of life. And some folks want to hide their head in the sand like an ostrich and say, well, that stuff doesn't even exist. It's not even real. They're mistaken. Jesus said the devil was real. Jesus dealt with demons ruthlessly like we ought to be doing. So they're real. In the United States, I believe they have pulled a good number on the inhabitants of this nation. You know, I grew up thinking, well, if there is such thing as demons, they're all in Africa. And we've seen some, and we dealt with them just like Jesus did. It was acts all over again last year when we went to Africa. I'm expecting more this year. Amen. It's going to be good. But they have shrouded themselves in our unbelief. The Word of God is the Word of God. And if the Word says that we're in warfare, then we're in warfare. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us we are. We fight not flesh and blood, but we fight people without bodies. They're, they're like us, only they don't have an earth suit made out of flesh and blood. You know, we're just a bunch of chemicals. Do you know that? Little electricity going on, little dirt, little water, little chemicals. That's called an earth suit. We've got one. They don't. They have personalities, and they have a ruler called Lucifer. He is ruthless, and he is a driver, and he demands from these people without bodies that they come and destroy us. It says in Genesis 1 that God said, Let us make man in our image. And thus he did. He made us in his image, and we had a glorious time on planet Earth until sin came in. And if you read in Genesis how sin came in, it's exactly the way it comes in now. Through words. Planting a seed in our head. And if there's a hook there, here we go. We're going to look at some things of people that have issues with demons. Do you hear many sermons on this? Let me ask you. Y'all that come to church on Saturday and Sunday, do you hear very many sermons on this? Well, you're going to hear one today. 
I love to make the devil mad. <laughs> but it doesn't bother me because I know who I am in Jesus. I know that I have authority over the strongest of the demons. I love the story, and I can't remember if it was Smith Wigglesworth or one of the greats way back there. He woke up with his bed vibrating, shaking violently, so much so it moved to the center of the room. And he looked, and there was a big old fat, ugly demon shaking his bed, moving it. And he said, oh, it's you. And turned over and tried to go back to sleep. Then he thought about it. And he said, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And so the, the demon was leaving, and then he thought about it some more. He said, wait a minute, come back. Put this bed back where it was. So the bed vibrated all the way back over. And then he said, now you can get out in the name of Jesus. That man knew his authority. You better know your authority. If you're born again, you have the potential of taking authority over the unclean spirits. They have no authority over you unless you allow it. And they use the weapon of deceit very well. They will scare you or make you think that you can't do anything, but I'm here to tell you, you can. Now, some of the beginning characteristics of a person becoming demonized, and we're not going to get into theological debate, whether it's in or out, I don't care. If you are being demonized, you've got to deal with it. I know the teaching that says, well, if you're a Christian, you can't have one. Well, they need to talk to me. Because I was a Christian. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was walking with Jesus, and I kept having some issues. And when I went to the Lord in prayer, He told me it was a spirit. And when I got the authority and took it over the spirit, it physically left my body. And that hook that I had was removed. It was like the Holy Ghost took a grinder and just ground it off and then healed the wound. That's what he does. Some of the characteristics of a person being demonized, becoming isolated from friends, from family. Withdrawal, becoming alone. That is a sign that there's a demon pushing you. Y'all don't get quiet on me because I'm fixing to preach real good here. Another characteristic is loss of self-control. Uh, yeah, you know, we just thought it was anger. Well, it was anger, all right. But when you can't control that, that one emotion, then there is something behind it. Self-destructive or self-mutilating. What is self-destruction? 
It comes in many, many, many forms. It can come in the form of, of bad habits. Something that we don't label in America, if it's a bad habit that hurts your body, it's self-destruction. Fifteen cookies a day. Chocolate. Oreos. If it hurts your body, it's self-destructive. Drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever the label is, is irrelevant. It's who's behind it. Why? Why is a person driven to this? Because someone wants you destroyed. Someone wants to take you out before you become a kingdom seeker. King. Self-humiliation. I personally know of a person. I've known them for years and years and years. And everything that comes out of that person's mouth is putting themselves down. That is self-humiliation. That is demonic. But see, some people think, well, that just sounds like humility to me. Uh-uh. No. It's demonic. Confused mentally. These are the beginning characteristics of someone being demonized. Isolation, loss of self-control, self-destructive, self-mutilating, self-humiliation, confused mentally. That's not the entire list, that's just some of the list. How do these demons attach? Uh, I went to a conference and this fellow called Demons Klingons. He said, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know what that means, there's a Klingons. He said, well, demons are Klingons, they cling. They get on you. They attach. How do they do that? They do it through open doors. They do it through opportunity. <laughs> In Ephesians 4.26 it says, Don't go to bed mad or you'll give the devil a foothold. They'll do it through that. They do it through a place of operation. Let's look at some of these doors. This is not an all-inclusive list. This is just some of it. Habitual sin, you can just mark it down. That person will be demonized. Thank you. I, I learned in October an astounding fact. 70% of Christian men are addicted to pornography. That is a habitual sin that means that person is demonized. Oh, sister, you could have gone all day and not said that one. I'm speaking truth. And the truth that is believed and received will set one free. There's other habitual sins. I just brought that one up because that, that 
percentage just floored me. I knew it was 30-something percent about five, six years ago. had no idea it had escalated. People that get involved in occult practices, you can mark that one down. They will be demonized. When I was a senior in high school, I decided to write my senior thesis on air pollution. That was a nice subject. We didn't have any in West Texas, so it was really a novelty to me to be riding on it. I didn't even know what it was other than sandstorms. It's the truth. So I, I researched it, and at the time, Los Angeles was the worst polluted city. That was back in the 60s. I'm sure there's more now. But I wrote mine on air pollution. My friend decided to write hers on witchcraft. In the process of her research, she come to me and said, look, look, you can put a curse on somebody. I said, really? I just thought it was a joke. I was raised in church, went to church my entire life, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, never missed a service, but I had never been taught, don't do that. Because I had been taught the supernatural quit. When the Apostle John died, all of the supernatural died with him. That's what I was taught. So when this is brought, I just thought it was a joke. I said, really? I can do that? Well, I was in UIL shorthand. And I thought, well, I'll just do that to my competitor. I thought it was a joke. And so I followed this outline, how to put a curse on somebody, to the T. Little did I know, I had opened a door. So we rock along a couple of years later. I'm now married, got a kid, and I'm in the retail store in the toy section in the games, and I'm looking around, and looky there. There's a little game. I pulled it out and looked at it. Well, that looked interesting. It was called the Ouija board. By Parker Brothers. It was a game, I thought. I bought it and started messing with it. The next thing I'm noticing, well, I need, I need to study astrology. And I was going to church. I was the church secretary. And I began to... I like little arts and crafts stuff, and I began to embroidery all, by now I've got three kids, all of the kids, and my husband, not Dale, another one, and began to embroidery our zodiac signs. Had them hanging on the wall. By now the door was so wide open, I was so demonized, I was a mess could not hear spiritual truths, but I was going to church. I was teaching Sunday school. Blind, blind, blind. Miserable, miserable, miserable. Depressed, chronically depressed. I stayed so low I could swing my feet off a Kleenex. 
That's pretty low. Think about it. I had innocently, ignorantly, had a hook placed on me when I opened the door. And this thing was dragging me to a place I did not want to go. I became self-destructive. Are you seeing the pattern? And I wasn't even doing it out of known rebellion. <laughs> My life was a mess. But here's the deal. In Ephesians where it says, But God, so rich in mercy, had mercy on me. Let's say it together. But God. Mm. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You see, had he not been so rich in mercy, I would not be alive today. The man that I had married never got the freedom that I did, and he's not alive today. Being demonized will take you to a place you don't want to go. What else can open these doors? Being involved in some kind of a cult, not occult, but a cult, such as, there's just all kinds of cults. Uh, look what happened to the followers of Jim Jones. That was a cult. Hundreds of innocent people lost their lives because they had joined something they should not have. Drugs is one of the major, this day and age, door opener. In fact, in Revelation it says in the end days the whole world will be under the influence of pharmakeia, which is translated witchcraft, but the root word of that is where we get our word pharmacy. Drugs. If you've been addicted to drugs, you've had a door opened. Come on. Yeah, okay. We're going to get down and serious. Ancestral sin will also open up a door. Go like this. Mm -hmm. That means your mother, your daddy, your grandpa, your grandma's on both sides, your great-grandma's and grandpa's on both sides, and so it goes even up to the fourth generation. There can be generational curses brought down, and it lands on you. I was ministering in a women's uh, conference and this girl come up to me and she said, I just want to talk to you. And I said, okay. She said, well, I'm a Christian and I'm a lesbian. I said, really? She said, yeah, and I want to get my um, counseling degree so that I can counsel other lesbians. I said, what are you going to tell them? that it's okay 
I said, you've come to me to talk to me. I am a word-based person. I believe the Word of God. If God said it, I just believe it. That's the way it is. And God says that that sin is an abomination. That that sin is an abomination. So if that sin is an abomination, I said, I'll tell you what I perceive in you. I perceive that you believed you've swallowed the lie that you were born that way. She said, yeah, I did. I said, you weren't born that way. But what's happened is a generational curse has come on you. Now it's up to you to say, I'm not going to receive that curse. Because God does not make you a lesbian. God made you perfect and pure. The devil has landed on you to destroy you. And if you understand that fact, you need to fight it, resist it, and cast it out. It's a spirit. It is an unclean spirit. It's a demon, and you need to cast it out. You can be free. Because God doesn't make you in that fashion and say you're an abomination. He made you and said you're precious and I love you. He doesn't make you to destroy you. The devil wants to destroy you. This country has lied. Because people have believed the lie. You see, if you believe the lie, you empower the liar. If you quit believing the lie, then you disarm the liar. And if you believe the truth, you empower the truth giver. If you believe, no, I wasn't born that way. God made me good. He looked and said I was good. He looked at me and said I'm worthy to die for. And I resist that thing and cast it out of me in the name of Jesus. It has got to go. And you'll be free. It's that simple. You don't have to crawl on your knees 40 miles. You know, back in the dark ages, that's what they did. They crawled for miles until they had no skin and flesh on their knees in penance. Well, what does repent mean? I've got this mindset and I'm going this way. Oh, that's not the right way. I've been doing wrong. I'm going this way. That's repent. Another thing that can bring these doors wide open is curses. And in this nation, primarily, it's word curses. It is, maybe you heard growing up, you're stupid and you'll never amount to anything. Who heard that? That was a word curse. Break it. In Jesus' name. Because God says you're wonderful. You're made in my image. And you've got great destiny. See, that's what God says. I choose to believe God. Had enough of the lying snake. Also, there can be witchcraft curses. I mean, I've had two dreams concerning witchcraft curses concerning this trip coming up. 
Does that scare me? No. It just gives me a venue of how to how to fight and how to pray. Amen. This fellow back in 1991, 90, I was a single parent. He started calling me, cussing me out, telling me he was going to take care of me because I was a Christian. I advertise in the phone book. I have a business. I advertise as a Christian. I can't separate it. I'm just who I am. I eat and breathe and walk Jesus. I actually believe I ought to do right in business. I don't separate the two like some do. So I advertised that way and he said, I don't like Christians and I'm going to take care of you. And then stuff started showing up at my door. Always placed in a particular pattern. And then the light dawned on. This man's trying to place a curse on me. I had the police put, what do they call, tracers, tracers on both of my phones, my home phone and my business phone. Could not catch this man. But when I figured out he was trying to put a curse on me, I got mad. I got outside my property and I walked all four corners of my property saying the whole time I was walking, I claimed the power of the blood of Jesus. And then when I got back to where I started, I said, Lord, I'm just asking you to boomerang this curse. That man never called me at my office again. He never called me at my house again. He never brought anything to my house. That was it. There's power in the blood of Jesus. You see, that was just training ground for now. We're dealing with witch doctors over there. They don't scare me. you got to know who you are in the Lord. I can't see Jesus running from a witch doctor, can you? If Jesus ain't going to run from them, neither am I. Standing fat like a girl. <laughs> the next door that will open up to demonization is trauma. Trauma. Something traumatic happens to you as a small child. That was a door. Did that child open it? No, but it was forced open through trauma. Mm -hmm. That is a major, major devil door opener. Involuntary exposure to evil. You mind in your own business and all of a sudden this thing is right in front of you. That you did not intentionally do that, but it was an involuntary exposure to evil. Or maybe someone forced you to do something. That is a door opener. Unforgiveness is a big old door opener. Whew, that's a big one. Someone hurts you, wounds you, and you cling to it. And you don't release it like Jesus said to do. Jesus said to forgive. 
He is our ultimate example. He is the plumb line. He is who we're trying to be like. And if Jesus can say on the cross, after he had been talked about bad, he had been beaten to a bloody pulp, he had a mock trial, he was, all he had come to do was to tell how good Father was. All he had come to do was just to be a servant, to tell how much Father loved them. That's all he came to do. And he was beaten, bloody, betrayed, all of that. And now he's hanging on a cross and he says, Father, forgive them. If Jesus can do that, can we not do the same? But if we get hurt and we cling to the offense, then we've opened a door to a demon. Telling it like it is. It will cause bitterness. It will cause your prayers to hit the ceiling and plop back down. It's not worth the price. It will cause you to be tormented by demons. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 18. It's all in there. Read it. So I've learned just to forgive. Don't hold on to it. Just forgive. Let God do the healing process. I don't want to have a hook called unforgiveness and be drugged where I don't want to go. So even before the hook can form, we need to take care of a offense. And that falls in the same category of wounding of the heart. Maybe someone really, really, really let you down, disappointed you, betrayed you. Same thing. It can be a devil door if you don't take care of it properly. And the other one is a monster. It's called rejection. These demons will set you up to be rejected. Mm-hmm. Rejection is a sense of being unwanted. Rejection is the most common root of all personal problems. We get rejected when we get this feeling of rejection when maybe the, the mother pregnant didn't want the child. Did you know that child can tell? Isn't that amazing? Maybe the parents never demonstrated love. Maybe somebody perceived whether it was real or not real, unequal affection from the parents with the siblings. Maybe when you were growing up, got in school, you never got chose for the games. You were always the last one. If it was a running game, I was the last one. I still can't run. <laughs> Maybe the teacher embarrassed you. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe no one in your life affirmed you as a person. Maybe you were abused mentally, physically, or sexually. Maybe you were betrayed when you got to be an adult. What happens is we lose the ability to receive or communicate love and we'll give up. Or we put on a facade of a fake happiness. Or we fight it. We get into resentment and hatred and rebellion. And it says in the Word of God, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft.
Rejection leads to loneliness. Loneliness leads to self-pity. Self-pity will go into misery, and misery will go into depression, and depression will go into despair and hopelessness, and that will go into death. God did not make us to be rejected. He made us to be accepted. Now that's the good news of Jesus. It isn't God who rejects us. His arms are always open saying, come on, come on to me. That's what he does to us. Does that look like rejection? No. The invitation is always come. All who are burdened, all who are heavy laden, all who are just worn out, come and I will give you rest. That's what he says. Does that sound like rejection? It's not God who rejects. It's the enemy. Jesus bore our rejection on the cross. What did he say before he died? He looked up and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was rejected that we might be accepted. The wounds that he bore all over his body was for our health, healing, and wholeness. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. Joy and honor in the replace of shame from all of the ickies that happened to us in our lives. So we're going to address this. Would you repeat after me? Father God, I thank you that you love me, that you gave me Jesus, your son, to die on my behalf, that he bore my sin, that he took my rejection, that he paid my penalty, because I have decided to accept Jesus. I come to you through him. I am not rejected. I am not unwanted. I am not excluded. You really love me. I am really your child. You are really my father. I belong in your family. The best family in the whole universe. I'm highly favored here on earth. And heaven is my future home. I really belong. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now let's speak to the devil. Enemy, you devil, I declare my release from any dark, my release from any evil spirit that took advantage of the woundings in my life. I command you, nasty spirit, to leave me now in Jesus' name. I seal my freedom with the blood of Jesus and His name. I declare Father God has accepted me and Jesus has made me free. I am free to be all that God has created me to be. 
Amen. Let's give God a clap, clap offering. Some of you felt something kind of coming up and kind of sticking in your throat. You need to press that through. Get that sucker out. Uh, in, out, clinged on, in. It doesn't matter. Just get rid of it. Because the, what the sacrifice that Jesus did was for freedom. Not for us to be in bondage and not for us to have all of these issues, but to dance with him over the nations. Doesn't that sound like fun? Ooh. Did you know that the Word of God says in Zephaniah 3.17 that God is so excited about you that He danced with violent joy? It's the truth. Think about that. That's kind of hard to think about, isn't it? But the Creator is so excited about us. Isn't that awesome? But it's the truth. Will the truth set you free? Indeed. Now, we're going to go on just a little bit here. We're still talking about some of these hooks, these doors. The symptoms are manifestations of the presence of demons when ministering to someone. Is this. I've seen this so many times, I find it quite interesting. I begin to pray for someone, let's just say they have a pain in their shoulder, and I begin to pray for the pain in the shoulder, all of a sudden now it's their knee. I begin to pray for the knee, and all of a sudden it's their hip. That is a demon. It's moving around. Tormenting, tormenting. So when you begin to minister to someone and that happens, just recognize immediately and cast it out. Get that cling on unstuck. Or sudden drowsiness. I've, ha I've seen this too. I've been praying or talking to someone. Last week I was talking to someone and they were just going, they weren't sleepy. But they're going, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't keep my eyes open. I said, I do. That's a spirit. I was praying for someone years ago, and I was talking to her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'd led her to Jesus. Now I was talking to her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And her eyes just, she just started freaking out. She said, I just went totally deaf. I could see your lips moving, but I couldn't hear you. That's a demon. But I was so new in the Lord, I didn't know I didn't know what to do. Freaked me out too. But now I know. I've matured in the things of the Lord and, and I'm very versed in spiritual warfare. I, now if I was in that same situation, I'd just take authority over it and cast it out of the room. Strange things happen. Maybe facial contortions start happening when you're talking to someone about Jesus or you're starting to pray with them and their face just starts doing weird things. I was praying for someone and I promise I am not exaggerating this. I thought their eyes were going to just snap right out of their head. When we started praying, they had normal eyes. Then all of a sudden they're huge and they're bugged out. Freaked me out. I was new in the Lord. Now, I would know what to do. Maybe someone just starts screaming. 
I was working a women's retreat and we were in a real quiet prayer time. All of a sudden, this blood-curdling scream let out and, there, and my hair just stood up. I mean, I mean, it does, but I mean, it just stood up. <laughs> Well, what was happening, this uh, this person was talking to a minister and they cast a devil out of her. Or maybe the body goes rigid. Last year when, when I was praying for all these people in Africa and this woman's eyes started rolling backwards and she fell, she looked pretty rigid. White stuff was oozing out of both sides of her mouth. And Dale and I kept on praying for the others, Pastor Tony and Pastor Billy got a hold of her and they said she was kind of looking like a snake on the ground. Well, you don't have to have discernment to know that was a demon. And she was released of seven or eight demons and her life so radically changed that her whole family came to Jesus. Amen. Amen. The next symptom is, I just said, the eyes rolling around. Or maybe you're talking to somebody and they just can't look at you. I mean, they're just, their eyes are just... That's a demon. Get rid of it. Changing voices. Uh, <laughs> years ago, um, we were on a mission trip in Old Mexico, and we were in this little house having church, and this little lady was sitting there, and all of a sudden a man's voice come out of her. Well, all the bad just hit the door. <laughs> It doesn't take discernment if a man's voice comes out of a woman to know that's a demon. Get rid of it. Or maybe foul odor. It, it never ceases to amaze me when I'm doing deliverance on someone. It's all that same foul odor. It's the same odor. It's devilish. It's demons. Get rid of them. You know, when I was praying a uh, year before last for some people, this little boy wanted me to pray for him. He was about this tall, and I put my hands on him. I was praying, and I felt something move under my hand. And I began to look at him, and he had bumps all over him, and they were moving. It was parasites. That's disgusting, isn't it? Well, it's just as disgusting to let a demon live in you. It's just as disgusting. So, God has called us to be free in Jesus. If you're born again, He wants you clean so that you can get out and do great and mighty exploits in His name. You take the stronghold after deliverance. If someone's gotten rid of a spirit of hate, you, you pray that the love of God would come in. I was I was visiting with about three women, and they were of the denomination that don't believe in the supernatural. And I was just sharing Jesus, and I said, "Well, you know, I heard myself say I didn't pre-think this or nothing. I heard myself say, "Well, you know, Paul said in the Word of God, I didn't come with just words, but I came in the power of the Holy Spirit. So why do you say we just pray and see what God wants to do?" Well, they agreed to pray, and this woman just gets up and runs out of the room. 
and she comes back and she's holding her shirt like this and she said I don't know I don't know what happened to me I just had to get up and leave I don't know what happened to me I just had to get up and leave and I said well come back and sit down and so I began to pray Lord what is it what is it and he said it's a spirit of hate I didn't know this woman I didn't know her issues so I swallowed real hard and I said to the woman I said I'm going to be saying stuff but not to you okay just you just put your thoughts on Jesus and I'm going to be speaking but not to you and so I just said you spirit of hate come out of her in Jesus name nothing happened I said it again you spirit of hate come out of her in Jesus name nothing happened inside I was going help help me Lord help me Jesus help me Jesus and all of a sudden I knew that I knew and I said it one more time you spirit of hate come out of her in Jesus name she started coughing and gagging that woman wrote me her testimony later she said you didn't know but I was so full of hate. I hated myself. I hated my husband. I hated my child. I hated my parents. I hated my work. I was prepared to leave everyone. But since I've been delivered, my life has changed. You see, a demon drives you and presses you down and drives you and presses you down. That demon has one objective, destroy you and all around you. And, and it just goes on. If, if somebody's been delivered of rudeness, you ask the Lord to give them kindness. It just, that's just, you replace it. You've got to replace. Jesus said, it's in red, when a demon is cast out of a person, he goes around and looks around in dry places. He looks around and he can't find another house. You know, they call us a house. I ain't nobody's host but the Holy Ghost. That's it. But Jesus said when that demon couldn't find another house to live in, he came back to his house he had been cast out of and found it clean and swept. But empty. So he went and got seven more of his buddies and came back and Jesus said, it's in red, that person was worse off than before. So anytime someone gets free of a spirit, you replace it with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The activities of demons is to entice, harass, torture, compel, enslave, cause addictions, to defile, to deceive, and to attack not only the physical body, but your emotions and your mind. That's their assignment. The places in the human personality where demons infest are in your emotions, your attitude, your mind, the tongue, sex, and physical appetites. The steps to deliverance and victory. Here's the good part. To affirm your faith in Jesus, just like we did in that prayer. 
that was a wonderful example of what to do. To humble yourself, to confess any known sin, to repent of all sin, to forgive all people, to break with the occult and all false religions, to prepare to be released from every curse over your life, to take your stand with God, and to expel. Those things were invited in. They have to be. And Jesus has...